Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series dedicated to interviewing pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute and from across the Living Faith Fellowship. And when you hear us referring to the Living Faith Fellowship, we're talking about a group of churches who've come together who are like-minded concerning doctrine and some very important issues, topics that we think are crucial to being followers of Jesus Christ. And so in this fellowship of churches, this network of churches, we've got churches that are in urban settings and suburban settings and rural settings. And in all of these churches, they have different issues, different things that they deal with as they minister within the context that God's given them. Now, today I'm really excited about interviewing a dear friend of mine, Pastor Tony Godfrey of Harvest Baptist Church, Iola, Kansas. And uh, we're going to be having a conversation about what it looks like to minister in a rural setting where, uh, you know, there are cornfields and uh, good old boys and uh, people who often have particular mindsets and they need to be reached with the gospel the same way people do in any other uh, setting. And so I want to invite you to join us today as we introduce Pastor Tony Godfrey. Good to see you, man. Man, glad to be here. Thanks for hanging out. This is long overdue. No. Long time. I've been watching all the episodes. I love them. Well, you're the man. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> you don't have to say that. Well, it's true. <laughs> uh, I've known Tony for a long time now, yeah. probably five years, maybe th- five or six years. But Not even, uh, maybe even up to seven. Yeah. But the yeah. last few years, yeah, more sure. so, Yeah, we went to Bogota together mm. and we kind of bonded on that trip a few years ago. That was so, a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, so the very first question is is more about your testimony. Okay. Um, so as we get into this conversation, I want people to have an idea of, of who you are. Um, how is it that you came to Christ? What did what did that look like? What's your testimony of salvation? All right. So it's a little bit of a story. Go ahead, man. But uh, when you say I live in a rural area, I grew up in a very rural area, even more rural than I am now. Mm. Um, and grandmother was a Church of England girl, uh, grew up in England and uh, very C of E, uh, but was no religious background whatsoever. Mm-hmm. My mom was a single parent, raising two boys by herself. Well, the church bus from the Wesleyan Church would come pick us up and give her a couple hours of break. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went for the cookies and the songs. That's of why course. I went. Yeah. Um, but I heard a little bit of the gospel. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my mom got a new job in Iola, where I am now. Okay. And moved us from Western Kansas to Eastern Kansas. Um, kind of got into the music scene, got into some hard things. Um, but I had a, a friend of mine that was just a little bit different than everybody else. And he kept inviting me to go to church. And I'm like, man, the, I've done the church thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that ever again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not interested. We just kept befriending me. And just hanging out, and he was just different than everybody else, and I, I kind of liked it. Um, one day, I walked up to his house, and there was a bunch of kids hanging out in his yard. Well, he duped me. He said, just come over and hang out. Well, I didn't know the youth group was hanging out. Yeah, right, of course. At his house. So I, I walk up, and there's all these all these people who I don't know. And uh, I'm like, man, that was a dirty deed. You just yeah. did me wrong. Now, I'm, he, trying to, I'm trying to picture you in my head right now. So- so you said you were kind of like in the music scene. Oh yeah. Did you have like piercings and you were, were your clothes tattered no, and I I went to get my eyebrow pierced, but I chickened out. Oh, okay. Okay. So that didn't happen. But 
Imagine big, massive dog chain around wow. my neck. That's hard. Fingernails painted purple or black. Okay. Anything else would have been too effeminate. Um, right, because purple, purple's yeah, not. Yeah, because purple's, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> big, massive pants, skater shoes, you know. Yeah. Dark blues and grays and And, you, and you stood out in Iola, I assume. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's some others hanging around doing the same thing. You know, it's the early 90s. Yeah, sure. So, so I'm imagining you walking up, dressed this way. Oh, my goodness. And nobody, encountering all these Christian Nobody kids. else is dressed like that at all. <laughs> I'm not dressed to play badminton or whatever they were doing in the yard. Right. You know. Um, so everything in me wants to leave. Mm -hmm. um, I call him out. And I said, dude, that's, that's mean. And But at the same time, I'm looking around going, but there are girls here. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. of course. So, so he invites me to church again. I said, well, are they going to be there? He said, well, every week. I'm like, I'll come. So that Sunday was my first Sunday, you know, and uh, God using my teenage perversion. Right. You know, to, to get, get you me into the church. Door, yeah, of course. You know, and so I show up. It's a Pentecostal church. I'm hearing a lot of crazy things, but also hearing the gospel. There's mm -hmm. a gospel preaching church. And, um, Kept coming, 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 and then started hanging out in the evenings with some other guys. And and uh, long story short, we ended up at a cemetery. Because that's what goth kids do, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. But you weren't goth. You were. I, I, I would have fought you if you would have called me goth. Yeah, you're wearing the collar though. Yeah, I was. I was hardcore. Okay. Like, okay. I, I was we'll an leave. Xer. Okay. Without the X. Hanging out in a cemetery. Right. All right. Keep going. But messing around doing things we shouldn't have been doing. Mm. You know, definitely some occultish things and um i got scared did not want to get out of the car again um i don't want to share too much but at the same time i had the living daylight scared out of me that mm -hmm. night mm -hmm. um some crazy stuff happened some very wicked things happened that night well we ended up at a house in a trailer rundown trailer that night and all, i'm the only non-believer right i'm the only unsaved person in the car we get to the house and they're all so the, been, but these are the Christian kids. You're hanging out with the Christian hanging kids. Hanging out with Christian kids. But okay. understand, Christian, but not biblical. Right. Right. Yeah. So no Bible. So they're getting into stuff they shouldn't have been getting into. So remember, the church we're going to is everything experiential. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I was looking for. Okay. was a spiritual experience. Well, I got one. Mm. And you get to the house, and there, man, we should have been doing those things. I'm so glad I'm saved. And I'm like, you guys keep using the saved word. What's that all about? Well, the conversation stops. Then, man, they got around me and opened the Bible and shared with me how to meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. I got saved that night. Wow. July 1993, met Jesus. That's the most goth salvation I've ever That's heard. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. That's so, me. okay, so you got saved. You're plugged in at the charismatic church. Yeah. Get us to a place where you're pastoring a church in Iola. I know that there's a lot that happens oh, after that moment. Yeah. I mean, like you meeting Kara, your wife, all that. Maybe can you can give us the the, the quick version of I'll how give you, you as fast as I can give you. Okay, yeah. So I'm in a charismatic church, never taught to read my Bible. Mm -hmm. Everything's experiential. I'm seeing things and hearing things that are freaking me out. At the same time, I'm also trying to fit in. So I'm trying to work through all this. Right. And people speaking in tongues, doing all this stuff. And next thing I know, I'm faking it to fit in. Um, but I'm also seeing the lives of people that aren't 
they're not lining up with what they're saying. And I just got bitter, mm. just got cold. I'm like, well, if I'm faking, who else is faking? Right. Um, and not long, I just said, that's it. I'm done. So I walked away from the Lord for two years, mm. dark, dark years. So it's about 18. Okay. Um, so I'm saying go through the youth group thing for a couple of years. 18, I walk away. And just like, I wanted to go to college, had no clue what I was going to do. So I started the college thing, dropped that out of that because I was horrible. Started stocking groceries at a grocery store, you know, mm -hmm. the pinnacle of In Iola life. still. Yeah, all in okay. Iola. And um, hating myself, hating life, hating my job, hating my town, hating everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm miserable. Now God's bringing me to the end of myself, right? And well, then I get called to do a price check. I'm a stocker at the store, and I get called to do this price check. And this is going to seem stupid and cheesy, but it's true. I come around the corner, and I get called to register for, right? And I see her. It's like, holy cow. You know, and the, the, the store is situated. The sun was coming through the light. You know, the angels. Yeah, were, ah! right. And I'm like, who is this? Who is this? And I do the whole price check thing. I go to the back and I go, who is that up on register for? And uh, I said, oh, it's, it's Kara, Kara Sutterby. And I'm like, who's that? Well, come four years younger than me. Oh, my. I'm 20. She's right. 16. Well, that'll get you 20. Yeah, right. Right? And so I'm like, this isn't. This isn't good. I'll just back off yeah. of that and I'll just go about my life. Well, we're working together a lot during the summer. Mm -hmm. So she's off school doing our thing and getting really good friends. Well, she's invited me to come to church. I'm like, nah, done that thing twice. I'm not doing I'm not doing that again. Mm -hmm. Well, we're having fights in the break room over doctrinal issues. And she's slaying me, just ripping me. To she shreds. knows the Bible. She knows her Bible. Right. She just got discipled. And uh so I'm like, man, there's something different about this cat. Not only is she cute, but she knows her Bible. And she's an alpha female. I mean, mm -hmm. she just shoots it straight. And there's just something about that. But at the same time- Which I'm is crazy to me, you saying that. Because yeah. she's, when I encounter your wife, she's so meek. And oh, like, yeah. there's like, she's timid. Yeah. Spiritual maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Back sure. then, she was a firebrand. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I'm still recognizing the age gap. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's a small church. It's not like I can just slide in and not get pegged as you yeah. know, the creeper. Right. You know, so I get invited to the parents' house, show up, and her dad's my old baseball coach. I'm like, and he's massive, six foot seven, 300 and some pounds. Yeah. So I started coming to church. I had never heard preaching like that. Mm-hmm. They're, reading, they're studying the book of Acts. That's the book they were in. And I'd never heard Bible preaching with authority, ever. And in that moment, I realized that's what I needed. And whether she or I ever became anything, more mm -hmm. than friends, I needed this. Yeah. And it took me a little bit, but God, God brought me and plugged me in. And next thing I know, the pastor's fishing with me and, you know, um, I'm submitting the truth. I'm getting discipled and no longer painting my fingernails and the chains are coming off and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not finding my identity in anything other than Christ. Right. Get discipled, go through discipleship two, start feeling the call of my life to do more, to be prepared for more. Start uh, old, old KCBT days, Shepherd School of Ministry, mm -hmm. started doing that 
online or online through videos, yeah. like VHS tapes. You they know, they'd sent to the church. They'd sent to us. Yeah, we had stacks and stacks of tapes, and we're watching those and going through the classes like that. And then some crazy stuff happened in our church. And next thing I know, I'm I'm the guy preaching. Mm. There's a whole lot going on. I mean, I'm doing ministry and discipling and children's ministry and all those things. But I'm two years in the shepherd school, and basically pastoring a church. Yeah. Um, had no clue what I was doing, and the church had no clue what I was doing. And we're just trying to make it together and having a hard time. I finished up shepherd school, and God takes me down to Texas for five years. Mm-hmm. And brings David Shelby in from Denver to pastor the church in Iola. His vision is the book of Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. This yeah. church had gone from two services maxed out to one and 30 people. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just in the fetal position holding on. Yeah, because it's a crisis. It's horrible. And you were young and didn't Super feel young. capable. Not of, at all. Yeah. Nor was I. Yeah. Nor was I. And so for me to leave was also another just hurt. Right. I mean, it hurt a lot of people. And uh, so I ended up down in Texas for five years. Um, I learned a lot about ministry, learned a lot about people. Um, I learned about hurt. I learned a lot of stuff in, in Texas. And um, God gave me Luke 13. And um, there's a parable in Luke 13 where the uh, this guy's got a vineyard and he's got a, got a tree. It's not bearing many fruit mm-hmm. um, for years. And he goes to the... I've got it written right. I got it right here. It's Luke 13. He goes to the dresser of the vineyard in verse 7. In Luke 13, 7, it says, Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumber through the ground? And I'm preaching through Luke. I come to Luke 13, and I realize God's talking to me about the church I'm in in Texas. Hmm. Like there's no fruit. Nothing's been happening really of true significance, no reproduction of reproducers, that's for sure. Yeah. So the discipleship process was Yeah, there's no discipleship process truly happening. And I realized in that moment, God's telling me, you got at least one year left. You better, you better go hard. Well, the whole time in Iola, Dave Shelby's got this vision of the book of Nehemiah, building the walls, getting it back together, and he's doing a bang-up job. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... Yeah, set in stone Shelby's back on, still with you, and he's the man. Yeah, he's still doing yeah. his thing. Yeah. Um, and so while I'm down in Texas, God's closing the door. After a year, there's still no fruit. It's time to cut it down. And um, I know it's time for us to go. I pull our leaders together. I've already told them what's up. They know. And long story short, that church ends up closing its doors. Mm. Majority of them take discipleship to another church, and that has just exploded. I mean, it's just gone gangbusters. Yeah. But in the midst of all that, I, t- I asked my wife, I said, hey, do you think God would ever take us back to Iola? Neither one of us wanted to go back to Iola, mm. to be honest. I mean, it just seemed like, man, these last five years have been hard. Imagine what it's going to be like when we get there. And I don't know if God can ever do that. Um, and she, she and I were both like, ah, God would, I don't think so. The next day, Dave Shelby calls me and says, hey, I want you to pray about coming back to Iola. Are you kidding me? I just had this conversation with my wife. Mm. I think this is what God's doing. Yeah. God's preparing my heart for that phone call. I get the phone call and and we're like almost in submission right then. Like that's what we're gonna do. Well, that's early August. 
if that's what's going to happen, we have to do this quickly. And long story short, we sell our house in 18 hours. Like told her coworker, coworker said, I love your house. I'd like to buy it. 18 hours, we're selling our house. God's getting us out mm. of Texas and moving us back to Iola. And so we get back to Iola and David Shelby wisely said, I just want you to sit. I just want you to come. I just want you to get fed. Reacquainted. Sit. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a different lifestyle, different culture, different everything. Right. Which Kara's from Iola. I was a transplant. But still, coming home was different. Mm-hmm. Church is different. People don't know us. Yeah. We don't know them. People are getting saved. They're making disciples. They're doing their thing. Wisely, we sat and did nothing for a while. And then slowly began to do ministry. And then Dave Shelby called me to his house one day. He was like, hey, my vision was the book of Nehemiah. You and your wife were the last two bricks. Hmm. I don't have any more vision. I don't know where to go. I'm like, I do. Yeah. God's been showing me in Haggai chapter 1, verse 8. It's time to build the temple now, that we need temples mm-hmm. within the body of Christ. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, then you're you're going to be the pastor. I'm like, that's not the plan. The plan was to come and help you. He's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. Mm. And so that was 2010. And he was preaching through the book of Joshua at the time, and we just slowly— Here's what's crazy is we went to tell the church and they're like, yeah, we, we know. We've, you know. They sensed it as well. They, they yeah, knew. Yeah, God had confirmed it in their and hearts. So April 2011, Dave Shelby and I traded roles. And uh, he didn't go anywhere. We didn't lose one family, not one person. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Man, that's a testimony of that guy. Oh, yeah. he's That doesn't he, happen. No, he's, anybody that knows David Shelby is, oh, he's a stand-up. Dude. Solid character. And really good at baking. Cheesecake, man. Yeah. I, I still haven't had, I don't think I've had the cheesecake. It's I don't amazing. think I've had the cheesecake. I think I had pie when I was in town. Now, I will, I will tell you, I've never had better cheesecake in my life. Yeah. Well, and that's a big statement. He's phenomenal. Chunky dude. Yeah. Well, that, I'll, I'll, is it concerns food? Anybody that follows your Instagram yeah. knows that you're a foodie. So, I am a foodie. Yeah. Um, so I'll take your word. Yeah. I need that cheesecake. You need it. Um, Okay, so tell us about Iola, though. So we paint the picture of Iola it's, you know, in 2020. What does it look like okay. now? It's shrinking by the year. So it gets okay. smaller and smaller, very poor. So for people who aren't familiar with like rural settings, this is kind of a, a phenomenon everywhere, the shrinking yeah. thing. Explain that, explain that to us. So urban flight, people leaving the rural communities run into the city because honestly that's where the jobs are. Mm-hmm. And it's happening with more and more frequency very rarely do we see somebody graduate high school, go off to college, and come home. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen very often. We are a very blue-collar community, uh, 5,400 people. When I moved to town, it was about 6,000-something. Mm-hmm. We're down to 5,400. It gets smaller. So we have factories like Russell Stover's Candies, Gates, and a few others. If one of those factories were to leave, they would destroy our town. The hmm. average median income in our town, this is not, not no, I said median household income. Okay. So the whole household right. average is $31,000 a year. Hmm. Very poor. Drugs. I mean, you can't go to a town where there's not drugs. Yeah. What is it small like town, heroin, it heroin epidemic is um, taking root or meth? Not so much heroin as more as methamphetamine, mm-hmm. um, which there is some heroin. There's some yeah. other stuff, but meth's cheap. Yeah. 
And so they make it, they do the thing, and it's everywhere. Um, but I, I, you can't go to a town where there's not drugs. Sure. I'm just thinking a small town, it's magnified. You see it more. Yeah. It's evident, and it's pervasive. I mean, it's mm. everywhere. It doesn't really matter where you are in your socioeconomics. People are doing it. People are doing it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and so it's everywhere. But it's a town where everybody knows everybody. Um, it can be clicky at times. Depends on what your last name is, who you are. Like when I moved to town in 1990, who are you? What are you doing here? Yeah. You it's little, it's you not as up. bad like now anymore because people are chasing jobs and doing things. Mm-hmm. So it's not as bad. Um, but it's it's a small town. People know everybody. They know you. Mm. And so that affects ministry. It affects everything. Um for sure, but uh, and that's what that's what I want to know about is like how does it what does it look like to minister in that setting? I mean, just in a in a broad sense, especially since your church has a history, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't know how long the church has been there when it was what what year it was planted mm-hmm. in it, the eighties. In the eighties, yeah, this changed names and right things, but yeah. um, but but people are familiar with the church. Oh yeah, and um, for good or for bad, right? And then you've you've got a minister, despite yeah that, and um, so what does that look like for your church to continue to build relationships with your congregates? Everybody knows everybody in the town. Um, people have encountered you and the people in the church many times. What, tell me what that looks like. It's a good question. It's one I've been thinking about a lot because if you don't know small town, you don't you don't know, you right? Because in the city here, I can meet a new person to minister to like yeah. every 10 minutes yeah. and I'll never, I may never see them again. Like I, yeah. there's chances that I can take risks that I can take mm-hmm. knowing that if this person rejects the gospel or this relationship doesn't develop, well, I'll develop another one tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. But in Iola, you have that conversation. You're going to see him again tomorrow mm-hmm. and the next day, and the next day, and the next right. day. And so that's one thing we've learned. We've seen, let's just say you want to invite somebody to church. It takes at least a year. For them, they'll say yes. Oh, good. For fifty-two weeks at least, it's going to take for them to come. Mm. Because not only are they are they going to come to your church, but they're also leaving whatever church, whether they've ever went or not. But they're leaving mom and dad's church, uncle's church, grandma's church. So what you're saying is that there's a greater sense of like of like tradition. So oh my goodness, yeah. So because the town is clicky. If you grew up at the Luther, I'll just say the Lutheran church in mm-hmm. town. Um, even if you don't, yeah, even if you don't go there anymore, you're a Lutheran, and yeah. there's a betrayal associated with yeah. that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't think anybody would verbalize that too much, but that's definitely understood. So when I moved there in ninety, town of six thousand people, there were thirty churches. Whoa. Now, and most of the you'd say that most of the people in the town at that time probably were in a church for the most or part. Or affiliated with one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, had gone to or did this or mm-hmm. done that. That's changed a lot in the last couple of decades. Well, some of those churches have no longer exist or whatever. How many churches are in town now, do you think? It's roughly 17 to 18. Okay. Um, roughly. Iowa is very homogenous when it comes to race. Um, 99 point whatever percent is white. Okay. Um very few people from any other country or nationality or whatever, which was hard for me coming from where I grew up. Right. And you love culture. Oh right? my goodness. You like to travel. You and I, I love it. I love yeah. language. I love culture. Mm-hmm. I like 
food from different cultures. Yeah, right, yeah. Right? I like it all. So that's what I grew up in was Western Kansas, and I moved here to Iola. It's, it was different. And so mm-hmm. ministering in that is very relational. We talk about what's about building relationships. You have to build relationships. So let me give you an example. Um, so sharing the gospel, like cold on the street, knocking on doors, that's not going to fly. <laughs> we tried it. It yeah. does not fly. Um, how do you, they? How is that perceived? I mean, I know how it might be perceived here in some cases, but how is that perceived in, in Iola? Un, unsolicited, unwanted. Intrusive. Very intrusive. Like, it's very close-knit. So if you're knocking on my door, I better know you. Yeah. You have better been invited. Yeah. And the fact is that you knocked on the front door when everybody uses the side door or the back door. Right. The fact that you knocked on the front door. Means you're a stranger. You don't belong here. Mm -hmm. You're selling me something or whatever. And then they know who you are. You know, people see you. They know you. They know who you are. And so they know what you're selling. That's that's these. So they know immediately that they assume that you're with the church. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. They're not just. I'm not bringing you a pie, you Mm -hmm. know, or I'm not just coming by to say hi or whatever. No, I've got an angle. That's what they're viewing. Mm -hmm. So it's super intrusive. So we here's here's the example of we've got to build relationships. So Kara has a ladies' Bible study on every other Thursday night, and we have people from in within our church, people from her circle of friends. Mm-hmm. who are coming. We've recently seen three of them get saved. Wow. Praise the Lord. In Bible study. In Bible study. But these are relationships my wife has had with some of these people for over 20 years. Hmm. Seen them growing up, knowing their knowing their mom, you know, building these relationships. And mm-hmm. it's taken that long. Because that's a huge deal, especially for a couple right. of them, mm-hmm. for what they're saved out of and, you know, what have you. So, Ministries, so life in small town America is slower. Ministry is slower. Mm-hmm. Fruit is slower. Everything is slower. Okay, so ministry is is slower. What are the things that you're learning actually work? So you're talking about building relationships. How are you building relationships? How are you getting, um, you know, your your people integrated into the community in a way that draws them towards mm-hmm. faith or to the word of God or belief? Yeah. So most of that is going to be done just naturally, just as you're living life, doing your thing as a believer, as a disciple of the Lord, you're always looking just to have those conversations with the relationships you've already developed. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we're learning. And that's what, especially what we're seeing. It's like friends and family, just like friends, family, acquaintances, coworkers, Mm -hmm. you know, friends of friends. That's what's been pretty amazing to see is we got friends of friends. Mm hmm. Now coming to be yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So like, it's probably hard to build close relationships with people that you already don't have close relationships to because everybody already has close relationships yeah. in the town, right? Yeah. So it's like fr- I was going to ask about that. So friends of friends mm-hmm. is how you kind of draw people into the circle yeah, of that's relationship. Exactly. Yeah, and that's just fun. So Thursday night we had ladies' Bible study at my house. Mm-hmm. So my son and I were out and about giving them the house. We come home and. I can only be, there's only so much to do in Iola with your son who's learning to drive at 14, you know, yeah. it's terrifying. Is there a Dairy Queen? There is a Dairy Queen. There has to be a Dairy Queen in every small town, yeah. It's right? a walk-up Dairy Queen, but it's a Dairy Queen nonetheless. Nice. So 
we get, we come in the house. Well, Bible study has been done for an hour, but there's still 15 oh, ladies sure. hanging out at the house. And I watch and I'm learning and I'm paying attention to who's talking to who and, you know, and I'm saying, I don't know who that person is. I've never seen that person. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord that they're here. And then, well, they're a friend of this, of this friend. Right. And they've made this connection and they're technically related down, you know, all those type of yeah. stuff. It's yeah. like, wow, that is what's happening mm-hmm. slowly. Um, so that that's really it's really fun to watch how relationships develop and they're, they're getting saved. They go to different churches. They do their different thing, but yet they're coming back to this Bible study. Sure. It's funny. A lot of times you'll hear uh, the living faith churches. We say this here at Midtown is that when you're a discipleship church, it's a slow growth model Mm -hmm. in general, because none of our churches focus on big events, flash and pizzazz and draw, you know, draw in the masses. None of us do that. Uh, because the majority of our, our resources are turned towards investing in people, and and we and we train our leaders to invest in mentorship relationships, and so I imagine that concept, like the slow growth model, mm-hmm. even slower. Oh, you know what I mean? That's kind of the way it sounds yeah. like to me. Yeah. Um. So let's say let's say um you know you've invested and there are people that are beginning to come. Are you guys? You know, do you do activities and events to to help? I guess maybe cast a, a wider net. Are those effective? Um, do, you know, do you guys do little festivals or or gatherings like you know? We we haven't done technically. I mean, we we just been. We'll, we'll probably get into this another time, but we're we've been in a time of transition. Mm-hmm. But typically, if we do events, they're very family centered, mm-hmm. and so. Um, we like on Sunday evenings during the summer, everything's pretty much canceled that we would do on the Sunday night, um, which we have college young adults meet on Sunday nights at my house. Well, during the summer, we don't because mm-hmm. they've gone off or the whatever. But we have there's a community college that's we have nearby, a, we have a little yeah. juco right in, in our town, but um, so we'll have softball night or volleyball nights or game nights mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, we see people just, hey, come come be a part of this. We have people just coming from the community to come to be a part of our softball night, mm. which you might have 50 people playing softball. Is that because, like, is that particularly interesting to people because there is so little to do? And so if you've got something going on or? Mm. I don't know. I think it's an opportunity just to connect with people you don't normally connect with. Mm-hmm. And so when we have a game night or a softball night or, you know, like we just had, we did a cornhole tournament. Mm-hmm. Wait, now, hold on. You should explain what cornholing is just so that people aren't confused. So it's a piece of wood with a hole in it on each end. Yeah. And you have bags with beans and you toss them into the hole. Okay. I think most people know yeah. it at this point. If you don't point. know what cornhole is. But cornhole is like, that sounds like that was invented in Iola. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> you know, it very well might have been. You know, but so we, we did that, but it's a way for us just to connect on a level as family. Yeah. So the events are, are spaces for the walls, the natural walls to be torn down. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you can, you can penetrate other people's circles. Yeah. No if doubt. people show up. Yeah. We have lost people coming to be a part of that. Yeah. That's and cool. It, it's great. And they see that and people talk. I go to the coffee shop, you know, pre COVID. Mm-hmm. I go to the coffee shop and they say, Hey, you heard you guys were down there. Yeah, man. You come down next time. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And they do. Yeah. You know? 
So here's the question. I've, you know, I've, I've never asked you this explicitly straightforward. Um, I can hear it, you know, obviously you're a like-minded church. So at some degree, I, I understand what your vision is for mm-hmm. Iola, right? Like yeah. I, I, I get it, but I've never asked it straightforward because it's in a town that is dwindling, right? Yeah. In and in where people are slowly leaving, what is the long, what's, how do you look at the long-term vision in a setting like that? Mm-hmm. Um, or just, just out of curiosity. So I can't, I, I think it was Mike Blake that gave me an illustration once. My, and Mike, is for it, people who don't know Mike, Mike Blake is a pastor in Monmouth, Illinois, right. Maple City Baptist. Maple City Baptist Also Church. a small town, yep. working very class. Very similar to Wyoming, yeah. very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me this illustration that, you know, churches are like candles. They will burn out. So you have to light another one. Mm. So our vision is always never to become this big, massive church in Iola, which massive and Iola is different than massive in an urban setting. Sure. You know, you get a church of 200 people in a, in a very, in Iola, that's a mega church. Yeah. I mean, that's big. Oh yeah. And so our goal isn't to become huge. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to reproduce other churches and other disciples. And so I mentioned we have a college ministry. And so lately it's been a little bit different, but in, in the past we've been trying to invest in these college students who are only there for 18, 19 months before they move on mm-hmm. and they go off to the next thing. Well, we're trying to get them, make them a disciple so they can go and start something where they are, right. wherever God takes them. And just maybe that might open up a door. So if one of them grabs the vision and makes a disciple and makes more disciples, that might be a future church plant mm. in the future. Or that might is where we can spread. So we're never going to be this big church. Right. We don't want to be a big church. Mm-hmm. We want to have big influence. Yeah, you want to be a church that sends people. Right. And so at the same time, we're in a town that's that's shrinking. Churches are closing. We don't want to be that church. Right. And so we want a place for you to go, a place for you to plug into, a place for you to grow. So you can have a missions-minded mentality in Smallville, mm-hmm. Iowa, mm-hmm. Kansas, you know, that a lot of our people have never traveled outside of Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, you know, they just, why, yeah. why? Yeah. There's no point in it. Mm-hmm. Mention a mission trip. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not going. <laughs> right. Well, let's stay by the stuff and send. Mm-hmm. And so we got, we're starting to see that mentality. Yeah. And so it's this idea of, Hey, be missions minded, even if your feet never, never mm-hmm. go anywhere and hey the town may be shrinking but the world isn't right and people need 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 jesus mm-hmm. and how can you make an impact yeah and so we're, we're constantly envisioning our, our people not we're not trying to grow no that's awesome that's a that's a perfect um description and answer to my yeah. question so the idea is that um you grow to the point where you have leaders that are willing to respond to the call yeah. that call might come in the form of disciples from the past who are saying, look, we need yeah. a church. We need yeah. a church in this town. Maybe it's across Kansas mm-hmm. or maybe it's in Oklahoma or maybe it's in, yeah. you know, the East Coast somewhere, you know, wherever they might be. I've, I've made these disciples and, yeah. and I need some help. What should I do next? Yeah. Uh, so that makes me think about what does your church currently look like? So if you were to describe um, Harvest right now, mm. what does it look like? Um, are, you are developing leaders, Mm-hmm. Maybe give us the 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 pulse of what's happening in your church right now, and uh, 
And then, and yeah. then that'll segue into our next episode because next week we'll be talking about uh, the, all the transitions that your church yeah, is facing yeah. right now and, and yeah. how God's brought you through that. But maybe just tell us a little bit about what it's like to be at Harvest Baptist Church okay. right now. So without getting into next next week's deal, we are at a time of transition, mm-hmm. which changes how you develop leaders because we're not able to do what we'd like to do in the, in the setting that we'd like to do. But I think it's amazing because we're we're still doing it. And so just like Jesus, wherever he goes, he's got his disciples with him and they're doing ministry at the same time and it's rustic mm-hmm. and there's no building and, you know, they're just doing ministry and that encourages me, that, yeah. that challenges me. And so that's what we're having to see. And so we're really having to lean on leaders. Um, a, f- a few weeks ago, I got to to do, speak at the discipleship refresher mm-hmm. here. They had, that was one of the, one of the, one of the points that I'd made is I just finished discipling a guy who I got to just put in charge of something huge. Mm-hmm. And it is it's not even that big spiritually, but able to lean on this guy and develop leaders. And, Prove his faithfulness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And so it's, it's really changed the way that we, we do things, even mm-hmm. with this COVID. Let's, let's use that as an illustration. We weren't able to meet physically. Yeah. Well, you still got to have meetings. You still have to be able to accomplish that. There's still the work has to be done. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to use audio and visual. Nobody in Iola is trained to do that. <laughs> and if you go and look at the videos, you can tell nobody in Iola is trained to do that. And yet we, we got it accomplished. The message yeah. got across. But how do we do that? You get people involved. Yeah. Okay, you've got to step up and you have to come along. We're, this is no longer sitting down all the time, having a training. This isn't theory. Yeah. You're going to see this. It's immediate practice. We, we are doing this right now. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do this, we're still going to get it done. But it would sure be a lot easier if you're, you're a part of this. Mm-hmm. And so there's been an urgency to it, a necessity mm-hmm. to it. And uh, at the same time, man, it's, it's, it's been refreshing. Yeah, because there's times where I'm super frustrated that I'd like to do it in a different model, or in, in ways that you've already done it, like that you yeah. are restricted. You, yeah, you know. But at the same time, you just gotta adapt yeah. and do never stop making leaders. Mm-hmm. Never stop. Now it might slow down. It may not get accomplished like like you'd want, and maybe not even see the fruit that you want. But my goodness, we still have people standing, and that's that's so encouraging. Yeah. You know, and see people growing and and leading. And then what a testament that is to a small town who know these people. They know their story. They, they know see their the history. changes happening. They've seen their picture in the newspaper, in the court report, mm. or whatever. Oh, they're deacon in your church? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're this or that? Man, that is what also speaks wow. volumes. Man, that's great. Volumes. And so we're seeing it. Yeah. I And going to your church, you know, ha- having visited other um, – other rural churches before going to your church, there is a um, a kindness and a generosity, and you can sent you know the people do tend to be quiet, like oh, yeah. they're not going to get up in your face. Like you go to some churches, right. and people are like wanting to talk and chat. Like here, yeah. you know, people are all in your business, and mm-hmm. uh, people aren't that way there. No, but there's a kindness about them and an excitement as it concerns the mission. You can sense it, mm-hmm. and you can see them being mobilized. Yeah. Which is what we're going to talk about, kind of in the next in the next episode when we yeah. talk about transitions. So, yeah. uh, man, 
tell tell us maybe the last thing. Tell us what is your favorite thing about just ministering in a small town? Like if you were to say, here's the here's the best thing about it, to leave us with that, mm. um, to sh- to show us why we ought to be you know excited and prayerful as it concerns churches just like yours. Tell us what's the best part about being in Iola. Don't make me cry. Um, it's family. Mm. Um, for me. So the best part about ministering in Iola is building all these relationships throughout my life, school, work, whatever. And I'm able to stand and shepherd people who shouldn't be there. Mm. And they're there. And I've known them for years. And I know their story. And I know their history. Um, one of the worst things about living in Iola is the magnifying glass. And one of the best things about Iola is the magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Is, is that. Yeah. Is uh, the testimony. Is inescapable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best part. God proving himself in people's lives. That's it. Yeah. And it's evident. And you, so somebody in the city, urban setting, they get saved and, Life changes. Well, that affects a small sphere. Mm-hmm. Somebody in Iola gets saved, and the world gets rocked, and become a disciple. The whole town knows. The whole town knows. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's super good, cool. That's the good stuff, man. That is good stuff, man. So thank you so much for sharing about that. And uh, we're going to be back together next week for another episode. Yeah. Um, but man, you're a blessing to me. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Praise the Lord. Thank you for letting me be here. And we want to thank you guys as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. We do hope and pray that it's edifying to you, that it's strengthening, that that as you listen today, maybe you're in a rural church and you're thinking to yourself, man, um, Tony's heart for his town, I wish that our church um, was thinking this way. I wish that our church had discipleship or, or had a, the ability to train people up and see their lives really change. I'm tired of just playing church. Um, man, please reach out to us. Uh, you can go to lfbi.org and you can learn more about what discipleship means and you can contact us. Let us know. Man, I, I would love to get in contact with Tony. Can you give us his email address? I'd like to reach out. I'd like to pick his brain. I'd like him to be praying for us. Uh, whatever it might be, please reach out. We would love that. Um, and and we would love to introduce you to what it means to disciple um, and the concepts and the the, the biblical perspective on discipleship that a lot of our Living Faith Fellowship churches have. We'd love to introduce you to that as well. But we do thank you, and we hope that you join us next week for another episode. God bless.